together growing in faith, changing communities. Dear friends, today we celebrate the seventh Sunday of Easter, and we go to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 from verse 12. The opening line is quite interesting. After Jesus was taken up into heaven, that is obviously the background of what is going on in this episode. The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem. The operative word for me is to return. If you go and you read the Acts of the Apostles chapter 1, Jesus had given them instructions that they are not to leave Jerusalem until they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, until they receive the Holy Spirit. And so I find the word to return to Jerusalem as a fulfillment of the commandment that Jesus gave his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. This becomes important for me in many ways. Returning to Jerusalem is going back to the place where the death of Jesus took place. If you go back and you read the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, you remember the story on the road to Emmaus. You remember how the apostles were leaving Jerusalem because they were sad, because they were scared, because they were losing everything. And they walked away from Jerusalem. They went to Emmaus in order to do whatever to deal with the great loss that they had. If you go back also to the Gospel of John, chapter 21, you hear how Peter and six of his other brothers, after the death of Jesus Christ, he goes back fishing. So Jerusalem, on one hand, is a place that represents pain, suffering, and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a place that they dare not go to. It is a wound that still oozes out. It is a place that they would rather not deal with in their own lives. And so they will do all that they can to run away from Jerusalem. But on the other hand, Jerusalem is a place that has the temple. Because it has the temple, it therefore has the Ark of the Covenant. And because of the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God dwells in the temple. And so the, the Jerusalem has two significance for different people. A place of death, of suffering, but also a place where God is found. A place of consolation, but above all, a place of the resurrection. Let's bring this a little bit closer. Let's bring it home to you. Is there a place in your life 
that is left hidden. Where you do not invite people into that space. You could talk about any other thing except this. You could share many other things except a particular patch period in your own life. Other issues in my life that are hidden that nobody knows about that I struggle in my own way and no matter how much I try to deal with them I cannot open up to someone else. Recently I read a caption. It says it is okay to slay and to kill the demons that have been troubling you. And as we've always said, you know, each and every one of us has a demon that we are fighting. And so the caption says, it is okay to kill those demons, but we also need to dissect those demons. We need to open them up as it were and to realize what were they feeding on. It is important because once I know these are my demons, these are the things that I'm struggling with, these are the issues that I would rather not tackle, I also need to go back what has led those demons to thrive in my life. And so I look at the opening lines of this first reading as an invitation by God to invite me to go deep within myself, to go into my own life, and to be truly honest with myself and to realize whatever is going on in me and to try and ask for the grace to deal with that reality. The second thing that I also find absolutely interesting, they go to Jerusalem and they gather as a community. They go to the upper room. And if you read this chapter in the Acts of the Apostles, they locked themselves because they were afraid of the Jews. They were terrified. They were afraid. But they did not do it alone. One of the worst things that we sometimes do as human beings is to be lone rangers. To think I can do it on my own. I can fight this battle on my own. And sometimes we even say, I don't need anyone else. I don't need your help. I know myself and I know my strengths and I know I can do it. And so what we are learning from God is that sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need other people to journey with us we need other people to be there with us, but above all, 
for us. When I can no longer be there for myself, I need to know that you can be here for me. One of the worst things that is done by any abuser, the first thing that they do is to isolate a potential victim. They will remove your family away from you. They will remove your friends away from you. They will remove your colleagues away from you. Then they start working on you psychologically. They make you dependent on them. They will do things for you under the pretense of helping, but only to create a culture where you become dependent on them. And while you depend on them, then they make you feel that you are useless. And once you reach the stage of totally and utterly dependence on the abuser, and once they have you in the palm of their hands, you've lost everything. And so what is one of the best ways in order for a victim to come back to his or her own true self? It is to go back to the family, to the friends, and those whom he or she has known and loved. And so this is what I also think the Lord is inviting us to. To have people with us that we trust. People who can pray with us. People who can pray for us when we can no longer pray for ourselves. The other thing that I also find absolutely interesting in what these men and women do they go to the upper room and they have one devotion, one accord, one purpose. And their purpose is to remain faithful to the teachings of Christ. And I've realized this in my own life. Things sometimes don't go the way we want them. Sometimes we lose the grip of life. But as we grow older and as challenges come, we need something that can bring about stability in our lives. And in most cases, that has to be God. God has to be the sanity in the midst of insanity. He has to be the truth in the midst of lies. He has to be the clarity in the midst of confusion. And so, when everything was going on, the only thing they could hold on to was the teachings of Jesus. And so I look into our own lives and I say to ourselves, when everything is happening in the world, should we not go back to God and say, I have no answers for many things, but I have faith that you are the same yesterday, 
today and tomorrow. The last point that I find absolutely interesting, guess who was with them? Mary, the mother of Jesus. The virgin mother. She remains with the apostles. She remains with the early church. And forever reminded of John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, when Mary was invited, she goes into the house and she realizes they have no wine. And dear friends, this is what I'm asking us to do. Whatever you are struggling with, whatever demons you are fighting, whatever confusion you have encountered, whatever trials you are going through, invite the Virgin Mother. Invite our lady, ask her to be with you. And I always believe that Mary will do what she did at that wedding. She will go to her son, Jesus Christ, and she will say, they have no wine. She will tell Jesus that you are going through issues in your marriages. You are going through issues at work. You are going through issues in your personal life. You are going through issues financially. Whatever you're going through, Mary will do that which I cannot do on my own. She becomes a mother. She becomes a friend. She becomes a confidant. And she becomes, above all, a disciple with the rest of the disciples of Jesus.